0: Welcome back to Ascending Masters Podcast. My name is Kristen Hansen, and my intention for this space is to have unique conversations with people at all points of their spiritual and human journey. Everyone has a unique story to tell or perspective to share. Sometimes it will be funny, sometimes it will be serious, and everything in between. So I welcome you to join me in my meanderings of human consciousness. So I'm super excited that you're here. So am I. <laughs> um, today's my birthday and uh, we're going to do a podcast with my dad. That was obviously the, the best birthday present ever.
1: Cool.
0: <laughs> um, so we're going to just talk a little bit about life and you just celebrated a birthday so we'll get into maybe a little bit of what your 68 years has been like and just tell some, tell it's some terrible. stories <laughs> and talk some philosophy and just right. kind of go from well, there. Well, whatever
1: you want to do, I'm, I'm good with You're here for it? Yeah.
0: Um. So, you just had a birthday, since we're talking birthdays today, and I'm having a birthday t- today.
1: Yes. Uh, Happy birthday <laughs> thanks. today.
0: Thanks.
1: No, 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 years ago.
0: Uh, 39. I hear this is the last birthday I have to celebrate, though.
1: I don't know about that. You know, um, I always really, I really liked my 40s, and you're going to be heading into that, uh, you know, like when you, you got a family, your kids, they get older, and when you're in your 40s, you kind of realize that uh, maybe there's an end to the, the you know, the requirements of being a mom uh, and it moves more towards having a uh, you know uh, uh, even not that the kids aren't fun but there are a lot of responsibility and they get a little bit more fun when they can start standing a little bit more on their own two feet uh, so and, and also I think um, you know uh, uh, from a career aspiration standpoint you've tried a lot of things as you're younger and uh and in your 40s you start uh being more discerning number one of what you're going to try and number two you get a little more discerning about what you actually have to try and what you actually have to do um and that might sound a little obtuse but it seems to me that it's uh there's a comfort in saying, I don't have to run the world. And when people are young, especially in their 20s, you know, they think, for the most part, that they're expected to be working on trying to run the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see some of that in you. Uh, I see that you're targeting a little more clearly now than you did when you were a younger girl. <laughs>
0: I remember, like when I was nineteen, the leading up to my twentieth birthday, and the idea of like being twenty just felt so grown. I know, I right, and I, <laughs> in my mind, I thought like, oh, like I'm gonna be so different, and that wasn't the experience. The you 20s. were different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> In your early twenties. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. would say, yeah. I would say you were probably correct.
0: <laughs> I like to be a little outside the lines.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know where the lines were in your relationship to where you were. <laughs> but yeah, I still love you. You're
0: call calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> I all right, still love all you. Right. Let's see what's happening here. Um and then yeah, and then that didn't happen. It almost like kind of set you up for like failure in a way um because it's not what happens there's not like this this moment in time where like everything all of a sudden clicks into place and shifts it's this it's this really fluid movement yeah um and I'm always kind of pondering the idea of like what's the mechanism of the movement
1: that's interesting uh what do you mean by mechanism
0: I think when we we can sit here now, you know, I'm 39, 68, and we can look back at different decades and different ways of being, and, and it's in this kind of broad macrocosm of the evolution of self in your own particular life. And I think there's a layer kind of underneath that, of, and, and it can be a multitude of things. Is it that all of a sudden you are just more aware of um, your place in the world because you just have a greater sense of perspective? Like
1: I think that's one thing. I mean, and I agree with you. I think there are a lot of layers in it uh, because... In some ways, uh, you've seen those, those balls that, you know, the perpetual motion balls, you mm-hmm. know. I think in some ways you can look at particular uh, um, uh, attitudes that you develop or perspectives that you develop that are constantly swinging from one side to the next. And depending on where that ball is in that swing, it really depends on how you're thinking about that at the time. But I think also, in addition, which makes it a little bit more complicated, is there's a lot of those happening on a lot of different topics. And then I think, uh, you know, you underlay that with some kind of a foundation, like a table that those are sitting on. And then you put over the top of that, you put to like the the sky, (laughs) (laughs) which could be the where you want to go. And this is what your foundation is. And, and this is the movement within that. And eventually, those balls stop. You know, they're called perpetual motion, but it's not really. And I think the stopping is at some point, you develop your perspective on a particular topic. And then, in order for that to change in that topic area, there has to be some type of a critical event, some cataclysmic, the paradigm uh, yeah, shift something that causes you know a paradigm <laughs> we've had conversations about that before yeah uh, and, it, and and we've seen it in our lives you know uh, how something can uh, jump you to the other railroad track and even though you feel like you're going in the same direction you're just a degree or so off yeah you know that's but uh, you know I don't know where I would even be going with this point. It's okay. <laughs> but, it's uh, okay. but it just—I mean—it just seems to me, you know, as we as we talk about, you know, how we think about things and how we try to position our place in the universe, and how we try to uh, position our universe within us. Uh, I mean, it's it's complicated stuff to try to sort out um, and I think one of the things that makes it more complicated is uh, a person that has a passion for living you know that really wants to take a bite out of the apple of life is not the same person that's too lazy to even pick up the apple and take a bite out of it (laughs) you know they'll die with starvation while the apple's sitting right there. But the other side is. You know, if you're biting that apple, how big of a bite do you take at a time? Mm -hmm. And how much far down into the apple do you eat? Do you go to the seeds? Well, you know, those have strychnine in them. (laughs) So (laughs) you may not want to eat too many apple seeds, you know. Uh, So, I mean, those are kind of the things that uh, you wrestle with as you're experiencing this thing called life.
0: Yeah, a lot of, um, you know, especially the last couple years, I've been really focused on uh, my relationship with the trauma that I've experienced in my life and figuring out how to take the bite of the apple and how deep to, to chew.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that there, what I'm discovering is that there is a correlation between the amount of uh like just the physical capacity in someone's nervous system like if you're full of these kind of traumatic events that you've experienced that you're not sure how to process or haven't been able to it's so hard to get a clear understanding or a clear Roadmap, or even to hear the voice of God clearly in in the hey, go this way.
1: Yeah, well, the ability to listen to the voice of God, but there's also uh, there's also a physical manifestation. I think they call it PTSD, that if your system gets so overloaded that that you're not really able to grab into the different files that you have in your in yourself, in your brain, in your heart to be able to, uh, you know, put some kind of a realistic understanding of, you know, why did this happen to me? What actually did happen to me? Um, uh, You know, how do I move off of that event in a healthy way? Um, Can I move off of that event so that I can help others that have experienced something similar? Does that add to my pain by doing that, by helping others? Does it add to my healing? How do I process that? Um, So I think that, you know, I mean, there certainly is a lot of information out there. Um, We have psychiatrists and, uh, and some can be very helpful because they're able to target in on exactly the emotions that you're having. Some are a little bit clueless. Uh,
0: <laughs> you could share that story with you. <laughs> This is an open forum.
1: Uh, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't actually care if anybody listens to this podcast. Yeah. This is really for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, and I. It, speaking of the podcast, I've never done anything like this before. And it's, you know, I mean, I feel a little self-conscious, uh, you know, uh, in a private setting where I don't have the outer world here, I certainly like to entertain conversations of philosophy and <laughs>
0: You're literally built for this
1: <laughs>
0: I real, I'm like watching you like realize it in real time
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you know, I like I like being able to uh, to contemplate uh, the the less structural things I mean I like doing that um, you don't find a lot of folks at least I don't uh, in my world I don't find a lot of folks um, that that tap into th- uh, that area of communication uh, I, I I and I'm not sure, you know, I mean I've always kind of been this way and you talk about being thirty nine, you talk about, you know, when you're in your twenties and you know, when you're young and you're trying to go after these kinds of conversations <laughs> with your friends <laughs> there better be a lot of weed. <laughs> and some potato chips (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, i mean in order to to really uh you know contemplate things that are you know a little more difficult to 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 you know grab like a football or you know something like that uh but i do enjoy it you know i i think it helps me uh clean out my thinking yeah you know uh, uh haven't solved a lot of problems with it <laughs> um, externally. I mean, I probably have internally. Um, you know, uh, you and I uh, shared a common trauma that was very difficult. Um,
0: You're welcome to share any of that I've talked it, about it, it was a bad little day. bit. It was a bad day.
1: Yeah. And. I, I'm glad that uh, on your birthday at 39, it was 25 years ago
0: yeah.
1: on Father's Day, um, and uh, we're here. We can share it. Um, unfortunately, my friend, he lost his daughter that day and can't share it with her. So I feel bad about that still.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. There's, there's been so much gratitude that I have like really deeply and like, like a level of kind of unconditional love that I feel like I've been able to access because of that event. And it's... I, and just, like, even just in, like, the last couple years, right, where I've gotten, like, really kind of serious about, I kind of don't care so much about the expectation of, like, who I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be. I care about, I want to know who I am in the fabric of what made me?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, sometimes your mom and I will talk about the differences between childhoods <laughs> that, <laughs> that she had and what I had. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it's it's comical to... I mean, your mother's uh, childhood was very stable. They lived in the same house her entire life, and uh, you know uh, had the same friends in the neighborhood unless somebody moved away, but somebody else would move in, <laughs> you know, and they and they would get welcomed in, ridiculed for a while, and then welcomed in, you know. Uh, where we moved all over the country, um, you know, my dad was a nomadic machinist. <laughs> 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 so uh, I changed
0: the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the nomadic the Machinist nomadic-
1: <laughs> and and so uh, you know he and he was an unsettled spirit. Uh, you know he was adopted; his parents had died, and uh, when he was you know five, four or five years old, and adopted by people that really didn't they they needed somebody to help him work the farm, and so he was a very unsettled spirit and trying to find you know. Uh, where, you know, where he fit in, uh, and my mom being the, uh, youngest daughter of immigrants, youngest of ten, they really had no interest in what she was doing by the time she rolled around. (laughs) I don't even think my grandpa was interested anymore. (laughs) Oh, that's how we make all these kids. But, (laughs) so, so, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So um, the the requirement to introspect, I think, is built out of crises. And uh, you, I love your mom dearly. We've been married almost forty-two years, and uh, but I wouldn't say she's quite as introspective <laughs> as I am.
0: Yeah, you know, I've often thought about that too. Like just uh, you know, my. My relationship with mom has not been the easiest of relationships. We've definitely like had our like ebbs and flows, and um, you know I love her dearly. You know, um,
1: and she loves you.
0: Yeah, and I think you know some of that was like I, I felt like I was very much on this like kind of maybe one side of the pendulum of being very like very introspective, and and then. I put a lot of expectation on my mother to meet me in a place that wasn't necessarily hers to meet me in.
1: Yeah, I would challenge that she probably doesn't know how to be there. Yeah. But I would say on the other side of it, in many ways I think your mom has more of a capacity to love somebody than I ever will, but I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) She's...
0: I kind of use mom as like a, a tangible example of how you show up in physical reality, the day to day, the oh, house, God. the the She's caring on. for the kid, and how. And now I'm I'm not I don't have the that level of capacity for that because my nature is a little more on this like you know introspective part, but. I see the value. Oh yeah. And it's a good reminder. Like I think part of, you know, the the blend between your disposition and her disposition did allow me the space to like kind of grow up and be confident to be introspective and outside the lines, but also go like, Okay, there is a, a point to having a tether into the world. Yes,
1: yes. And she's brought that to me a lot more as well. And it's—I think it's one of the years, uh, one of the reasons why, uh, if I've had success in my life at all, um, as I define it, um, it's one of the reasons I've attained that success that I defined. Yeah. You know, I mean, not everybody wants to do what I do. Well, that's not true. A lot of people say they do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, she's got a, a good, like, just like work. Yeah. Work ethic. Like, there's, in spiritual teachings, there's this idea of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And we, each individual per- person uh, carries both of those unique energies within their system. Some people just tend to be more in their masculine, which is the kind of tactical getting stuff done, making the plan, executing the plan, and then... Uh, other people tend to be more in their feminine, which is more receptive, more creative, more kind of free flowing.
1: That's interesting. I never uh, considered it gender related, if you will.
0: I, I would say it's outside of gender. Um, I would, because I think gender tries to kind of, because we have both, right? We are both feminine and masculine. They're kind of right. two ends of the polarity of of god like you put those two things back together and you have the nature of god right like you have this perfect union between these two dualistic sides the one that gets the thing done and the one that conceives the thing being that need yeah Uh,
1: i'm i'm i feel like that is simplifying it a little more i think there's other dimensions to it I would, and and what I'm thinking is, is I have a tendency to really look at the big picture. And I have a tendency to really look at the detail. And I expect others to fill in the gap. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I don't know, I mean, I appreciate the gender alignment thing. Uh, you know, the concept that you're saying. I appreciate that. Um, But if we're relating it to God, God has a real big picture view of things. Um, You know, and I think, uh, I think Jesus was, was uh, much more on the, okay, his plan, this is what you need to be doing. And then you are helping yourself in the plan and this is what you don't want to be doing or you're hurting yourself in the plan and the holy spirit is going to guide you on your particular decisions yeah and and so i'm not as gender i I mean i can see where you know I, I went to a i went to a show took your mom to a show one time it was funny as all gets out uh it was uh, men men are hunters and women are gatherers that was the name of the show and the comedian that was orchestrating the show he's talking about you know men go get food go get food with the spear you know got the spear and it says you know man was built with a spear for a reason <laughs> Right. And, and women are gatherers you know go get the berries and pick the lettuce and this and that and so they were given a basket for a reason <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny but uh but I never thought, uh, forgot the point you know uh, that we are different and we do bring together that difference brings together a whole you know uh, that uh, like you're saying that union that's uh, you know, there's a symbiotic unit there that actually fulfills a lot of things that need to get done in the way that they get done. This is not only doing, it's the how in the doing. Yeah, Yeah, and I think that uh, from a gender standpoint, I think those things, you know, are all part of the God's plan of how he utilizes different folks with different skills, abilities, talents to... You know, if we would just not be so hateful, greedy, and envious, <laughs> we could make this place That's a better the place. That's
0: toxic divine masculine. <laughs> the, toxic, <laughs> the
1: masculine. Wait a minute. Are you throwing that? <laughs> <laughs> more, make it more of a joke on <laughs> that Don't be throwing that my way. <laughs> not that I've never used that. Not that joke, but <laughs> that toxic masculinity. I think I've probably used it before, <laughs> but I'm getting better.
0: We're all works of progress, <laughs> that's for sure. We at
1: least hope everybody is, but I'm challenging whether that's actually true. Yeah? I think there are people that uh, that wallow in the abyss of cluelessness.
0: What, uh, what do you define cluelessness as?
1: I think a clueless person is a person that is not pursuing wisdom knowledge and understanding with a good heart a good spirit i think that's a clueless person
0: yeah
1: uh i mean i don't uh yeah, our purpose is is you know you can use whatever words you want but the purpose of people on this planet in my view is to you know help others to good deeds you know Love and good deeds. Stimulate them to love and good deeds. Um, it's not that easy to do because there's a lot of challenges in, in living. Um, you know, and there's a lot of obstacles that are thrown your way, and especially with all this social media and today's news. News. Um, scratch that. Yeah. Today's opinion-oriented channels that espouse to be news. <laughs> Uh, There's a lot of noise, and and being able to find clarity in thinking in this world is very, very difficult. Uh, It takes a person willing to give up a lot of personal time to be able to sort out, you know, uh, we're kind of on a biblical train here, the wheat from the chaff, you know. Mm -hmm. It, it takes it, it ta- and it takes a lot of work. We were talking earlier about uh, um, uh, you know, is the effort to resist the man, gr- the man, greater than it would be to be successful being part of the man group. <laughs> you know, I mean, Okay, let's go figure that one out you know that that in itself is a lifelong study and and like raising kids it's something you really don't know until you're all done <laughs> you, yeah. know, you never really know the answer till you're done yeah uh, so uh, yeah I mean I don't know where I'm going with that but <laughs> no, <I don't>
0: care. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. Man, I I look at the the world now, and you know it's as I'm raising kids in it, and my kids are getting older, you know, teenager and, and puberty, and I'm going like the world now looks so different. I feel like in some ways, like my childhood and your generation's childhood, like just comparatively on the generations, was probably more similar.
1: Uh. I think that's something that every generation says, but I don't think it's true. Um, if you think about the turn of the century, not this last one, <laughs> but the one before, uh, when um, you know when coffee was brought to Europe and the mechanical revolution began, um, there is a linkage between coffee and people actually working. <laughs> <laughs> <I> no. <know. laughs> but uh, and then and then in the United States, one of the things, or actually not one of the things, the thing that made us the leading world power is we drove the industrial revolution, you know, Henry Ford, with the uh, you know the mechanism to make manufacture cars and an assembly line, and all that stuff. That was all really new stuff, telecommunications, running water, flushing toilets. I mean, these things made us the world leader. And so now, um, we were transitioning from the industrial revolution into the communication revolution when you were in your developmental years, where we were in the industrial revolution when I was in my developing years. And the communications revolution was like, hmm, what, you know, I mean, I was in my 30s when I got my first pager. Okay, You know what a pager is. I
0: had one. I had one in high school.
1: There you go. That's because I was in my 30s. (laughs) (laughs) And then car phones came out that were super, well, not super expensive because phones now are super expensive, but they actually had to mount them in your car, take out the headliner so they could get the antenna wire to, you know, I mean. Yeah,
0: I remember when uh, you had, had yeah.
1: one. And then they really got cool. They became bag phones that you carried over your shoulder like a satchel, you know, and I mean, you, you know I mean? And, and like, look what we got now, uh, I mean, the first computer was ten thousand dollars and uh and it had 8k of ram (laughs) Uh, and no hard drive and it had five and a quarter inch floppy disks You know, the first personal computer. Yeah. Before that, they had reel-to-reel tapes for, uh, you know, mainframe-type computers that that would fill rooms and not do the computing power that your phone would do now. Yeah. So when you say that it was the same or more similar, it's a total different age, and I think to a great degree driven by technology. Because now we're beyond the communication revolution, we're in the information age revolution. Uh, And the the problems of each one of those eras are what manifest themselves through society. Now, like in the communication age, we were trying to figure out more ways to communicate. Okay. Well, now there are so many ways to communicate, and there's so much information out there. Now we're trying to figure out, how do we process this stuff? I mean, what do we do? I don't have enough gray matter to be able to assimilate everything that's important. And add to that, because it's a maturing part, a maturing revolution, if you will, now you get the scammers and schemers mm-hmm. trying to do the exploitation at the end of when that thing's really exploitable. Because the gazillionaires have made their money. Bill Gates, uh, you know, Zuckerberg, you know, those folks. And now we're just getting the the, the low end of it. And, and the, my curiosity is what's the next... Revolution.
0: I was gonna. Ju- I was just gonna be my question. Yeah. There's, there's times when I, you know, I've talked to you about, um, you know, it's my belief that we are in a, a shifting of, ages, and you, you know whether you're a geologist, a historian, an archaeologist, uh, a theologian that studies multitudes of religions, they all point back to that we are in a time that is shifting astrologically. How Wherever you want to look, you dig enough, you'll find the information saying, this is the time of the, the great shift, the great awakening, the human evolutionary shift in consciousness. And I look at it and I go, you know, I I my obsession is pondering this, right? From mm-hmm. all different vantage points. And I and how it relates to the microcosm of my own mental state, health, physical state, you know how these things intertwine and relate because I believe that that's how the holy spirit works. But I when I look at the world and I and I look, like, like you did a really cool job of kind of explaining like that shift in these these microcosm of of ages and these these generations. And I look at it and I go, we have to be in a shift because what feels like is left to me is for humanity to have each individual human to have its realization of its God self to be able to look at the world and shift the stance on things, or the views on things. Like, like, I believe that we'll probably we'll still have a government at some point, but I believe that the people in the government operating are going to be coming from a completely different view in this more um, consciously aware, this understanding of self, this um, evolving out of these ideas of greed and power and corruption and taking from someone else. There's a realization emerging of oh, we actually are all Little mirrors on the big mirror ball of one consciousness. You're a mirror on the mirror ball. I'm a mirror on the mirror ball. And we're realizing that, like, oh, how, we're how, on the same ball.
1: How do you, uh, I mean, it would be nice to think that, um, as in the theory of evolution, that we are all evolving towards Uh, a more God-centric higher awareness and we are going to respond collectively as a society and individually as a person. We're going to arrive at a point where we say God's commandments are actually good for our world and we're all going to start making rules and laws and structure businesses and structure everything to support that. But there's a contrary uh, perspective that says that uh, and this is also from the bible the the concept of good and evil um, the concept of all of the things associated with being evil pride greed uh, the love of money um, and then there's the concepts of of you know the the uh, the, the godly heart that says uh, you know Uh, love the Lord as you love yourself and love your brother as you love yourself. Those are competing things. And there's also um, a thing, um, and again, biblically based, that says that there's nothing new under the sun and that the motivations of man's heart has not changed throughout the ages. And that tells me that unless there is a cataclysmic event, to use that term again, that is orchestrated by God, there is no reason for those that are preying on the good to be good. The world is structured now. There was a survey done a number of years ago, and they surveyed the top 100 companies in the world and did a personality profile of the CEOs and 97 or 98 percent of them were narcissists.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, the top 100 uh, companies in the world represent the people that are buying our leadership in government. Yeah. And they are controlling all of the commodities that we need to live on. Yep, and, and as a result of that, if the narcissist is the one that gets to the top, um, they're not going to naturally say, you know, I should be more benevolent. I think I'll take $15 an hour like the McDonald's worker. I don't think that's going to happen.
0: I think where the shift. Not to interrupt. No, you, go ahead. I think where the shift starts to occur is that yes, the people in the position, the the corporation leaders, the governments, the you know, different world leaders, I do think they all fall into this rather like psychopathic uh, box that they operate within. I think. We as the people, as we go through, and to me it looks like doing the trauma work uh, individually and and realizing, uh, freeing that space in your physical nervous system to be able to even contemplate the questions of God and introduce that into how you approach your life, and as each person kind of has that light switch flip on and that work starts to, they're doing that inner work and they're they're stepping forward on that path. It's my belief that if you you knock on the door of God, God is going to show up and answer. It is just a question of when.
1: Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um,
0: then you have but I, all I think these knocking people,
1: on that door... Uh,
0: but those are the people, those are the masses then that go, oh yeah, we're done with this part of society. We're no longer uh, trauma bonding with the bullshit you're serving because we've healed that. God has freed us from that. So you can go away with your BS uh, tax laws and racial yeah. profiling and that but whatever But money it is. and
1: power make, uh, a, a, I mean, you got to be a really a special person where money and power does not cloud your introspective thinking because you can justify yourself and say, and these are, again, coming from the Bible where it says, you know, it's enough to eat, drink, enjoy your toil and enjoy this life and the things that God has provided. So you could, you could say, Hey, I'm doing God's work, right? and and there's another saying that says always seem right in a man's own eyes so i think a lot of a lot of people that we think it's so easy to criticize and so obvious the errors that they're making from a societal movement forward standpoint they think they're doing right they think they're doing god's work I mean, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were espousing all of God's commandments and enforcing it and making it illegal not to. And then Jesus came by and said, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers. I mean, he was calling them out, but he really had a lot more standing than Kristen or Don (laughs) (laughs) in terms of going about and doing that. Um,
0: I think that's, like, the age-old thing. Like, I think that exact scenario is occurring right now. Because Jesus showed up with God at his 4 focused in connection, Holy Spirit. That's what he showed up in representation of, focused on. The, the Sadducees and the... Uh, the people that were so willing to use the words of God without the meaning behind right. it, to corrupt and pollute and control. Like, to me, I go, when I look at it, and people talk about the second coming of Christ, and I go the second coming of Christ, in my view, my belief is that it's here, it's
1: here. Uh, that, that would That would not be a biblical perspective.
0: It wouldn't. It's more of an Eastern perspective in that when they talk about the 144,000 in the Bible. If you look at the human body and the energy centers that connect our physical body with our spiritual body, which are our chakras. We have seven main ones from root to crown. If you add up the frequencies of each chakra you it equals hundred and forty-four thousand and so if you are and what does that require someone to do to connect and, and light up their hundred and forty-four thousand it requires you to heal your root center, which is your safety in the world, your uh, anything that it's tying you into this physical reality, and you work your way up. Your your sacral center is your creative flow, your your sexual energy. So if you're somebody that's had sexual trauma, you need to heal that. You see how the it's world a little more preys.
1: difficult when you're 68.
0: <laughs> well, you see how the world has always preyed on. Um, Sexuality amongst humans, right? Whether that's the, the images, and then the girls get the eating disorder, or the however it's done. Well,
1: is that? Uh, I mean, but you work your what's way What's the cause up. of all that? I mean, yeah, you're saying. Uh, I I take I take you know the second coming uh, a little more literal. Um, you know, Jesus ascended, and and he said, in the same way, I'll return. You know, so that everybody will know I'm here. I do think that there are angels among us, and and that's actually spoken about as well in the Bible. There are angels among us, uh, and I think that uh, you know, the it's not just left up to us mere humans to fight the forces of evil. There are angels that are. That are in our midst, that are working to try to shore us up, keep us strong, help us along, help us going forward, and and the power of prayer can't be diminished. No, you know, it
0: the uh, one of the most powerful things someone a human can do. Uh, well,
1: if not the most powerful mm-hmm. thing, uh, and and so I think, I th- I just think there's a war going on. And, and I don't, and sure, we may be going through this transition as you're talking about. And, uh,
0: I agree that there is a war going on for sure. We, we are, we're, we're front row. Like,
1: yeah, well, uh, there have been other times throughout the ages. Uh, I can imagine how it was in, you know, 19, what was it? 1941 or whatever. Uh,
0: 39, World War Two
1: When they dropped the bomb on.
0: Nagasaki
1: and Hiroshima Mm -hmm. those people probably thought they were in a transition (laughs) and that they were at the forefront well not those people because they got vaporized I I mean there have there have been wars there have been famines there's been pestilence there's been economic collapses there's been all these things Uh, you know when when my dad died um, and when my mom died and when your uh your mom's dad died and your mom's mom and when jim died um, the thing i recognize is the frequency of them going into the hospital or having to call the doctor the time between became shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter Mm -hmm. and the ability for the doctors to repair or you know or satisfy whatever that need was became lower and lower and lower and lower and so i'm looking at that as kind of a uh, you know what is the end of life cycle and and I, and I have a personal opinion that everything has a life cycle i mean if the world began the world will end you know what i mean it, you know there's only one entity that never had a beginning because there were always and won't have an end, because they are always, right? And so I look at it and I go, okay, wars, rumor of wars, pestilence, you know, famine, uh, you know, weather conditions, you know, global warming, global cooling, you know, I mean, uh, we've had multiple ice ages, you know, okay. Was it global warming that got us out of those ice ages? You know, I, you know, I mean, you know, the, yeah, the global
0: warming thing, like there's I, the people that are the, the scientists that are outside the kind of payroll, like wow. they're all like, in agreement that this is not, this, the climate change is not a thing that's currently well, happening. Well, I, you and know, it's, I, it's not heating up right now.
1: I used to, I used to think that, uh, that, you know, man is too small to affect the global climate. Uh, then I watched a documentary on what's going on in the Amazon.
0: There is, and for that sure is a some fact. scary shit. There is, there for sure is that, yeah. And I've seen some of the Amazon stuff. I think what where where I get because of course, right? There's a lot of people. We're all here. We're doing this thing. But I think to think that that what anything that the news is going to attempt to feed me as. I go well i I don't believe this this okay maybe there's a shred of truth in this and i'm i'm willing to do my part but if you think for a second that like i i'm gonna take what you're saying and not question it right that's that's crazy yeah
1: Yeah. many do but yeah but the other side of it is okay what's going on in the amazon junk rainforest is it's tragic it's terrible right and uh but if The earth has a life cycle. (laughs) Is not this just part of using up the resource? I mean, do we really think this is going to last forever? I mean, we can see the trends.
0: Yeah, that's kind of, this kind of like brings us back to how we started on this conversation, which is, I do kind of think that, there's not a whole lot left for humans to experience at this particular paradigm. And I also think that the earth is going, and humans themselves, right, we're going to play in this lower kind of vibrational or this power, greed, corruption, we're gonna play in this little paradigm until it gets bad enough that people go, oh, actually, uh, I'm going to actually do all my inner work and I'm going to start healing and I want to get connected with God because like this, doesn't... <laughs> you know, people are getting and, and it is a dance. It's an energetic dance between the collective of humans that are playing in that particular frequency, the earth that is acquiescing to the game until you get sick of it. And now does the earth uh, shake a bunch of millions of people off uh, like the parasites they are at some point? Maybe, Uh, you know, they can reincarnate on another third dimensional planet and continue their games of playing in greed and power and corruption. And those of us that went, uh, I'm ready to evolve to higher can go play a different game whether that is an aspect of earth that also is playing at that level or somewhere else in the cosmos where we're just float. Cause like you said earlier, like that there you like to, you build the plan and then you oversee the plan and all the levels. I think as he, as souls we experience, we get to experience all the different levels on our way back to God. And we're just at kind of the lowest rung of the ladder where we're the most forgetful of what we actually are or the deepest in the mud, figuring out how to get out of the mud, but earthworms like the mud. So so there's people that they're at the journey in their evolutionary soul road that wants to play in duality and polarity.
1: Your positivity is a little different than the way I would say my positivity is on this.
0: I do a lot of psychedelics.
1: Yeah, man. (laughs) I'll catch up with you on that later. Uh, But uh, we talked about the mechanical revolution, the industrial, and the communication, and the information. There's a passage in the Bible that says that there's a point when every knee will bow and acknowledge the Lord. Right? Uh, I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. But uh, could it be that the information age will be the mechanism to spread awareness to everyone. And that'll be the trigger for the second coming and for, you know, the, the, the things that are in revelations, you know, the seven seals will be broken, and this will happen, that will happen, this will happen, that will happen two women will be in a field and one will be taken away and you know the other will be left. And you know, could it be that the information age is the catalyst for this transition or transformation that you're talking about?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember being a kid and us talking about this kind of very idea of the, the you know, people having access to information, right? And I do think that it's part of it, right? Because I think every every little piece of the mirror on the mirror ball has their particular lens that truth shows up for them. Right. And I think that the path through the Bible and uh, it, it is just as... Because you're tapping into truth, and it's the truth of God. And so being able to tap into that is going to reveal, God gets to then reveal to you the truth of you. And I think that there's people that from all different walks, you know, there's Hindus, Muslim, you know, whatever. And I think there's always going to be extremists in any particular area. There's always going to be the people that want to play in that lower vibrational aspect of the thing that they're in. But
1: well, uh, it's like the the pendulum ball we were talking about. It's exactly like that. Uh, I mean, uh, if this is you can even use the football field analogy, if this goal line is highly intense and this goal line is not, and 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 society occupies the whole field, you know, everybody is on every, uh, each person is on their own yard line. Yeah. Uh, In in that scale, well,
0: and what feels intense to you may not to someone else, but what feels intense to them may not to you,
1: right, right.
0: And and it really becomes this like very individualized journey that is so connected, also then, with the greater whole and the awareness of the wholeness that you're part of.
1: Well, uh, you know. The Sadducees did not uh, believe in reincarnation or life after um, the Pharisees. I, one of them. I, I may be mixing such a up.
0: convenient way to control people. Like if you're the authority and you tell people, like, this is your one shot.
1: But that was the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were both making people prisoners of the Old Testament. But... Their belief difference was whether or not you know uh, there was reincarnation, you know, Uh, and then uh, there's there's an old religion we've talked about it before, the seven root races of man, where the idea was that each person lived and died seven times, and when they were resurrected, seven
0: chakras.
1: When they were resurrected, they were resurrected at a higher level of consciousness and awareness. And so the lifespan of a person was seven lifespans, and uh, uh, I, I I kind of forget where I was going with that, but um,
0: I'm terrible at remembering. Like, that's what people okay. Had. I, just, I like... mean,
1: the the whole if there are people that want to stay, as you had put it, in the mud, low level, you know they may they may be at a at a less evolved
0: yeah they might be on life 3
1: uh, yeah or less and
0: like <laughs> that to me opens the possibility of like unconditional love and compassion because you can see somebody in that state and you can you can understand that like hey this is just like where you're at like enjoy this ride cuz like oh, yeah. you're headed you know, this is like the one time you get to do it this way, and like we put the judgment on. Things. We put the
1: judgment. We put the we put the striving mm-hmm. for the impossible dream. Yeah. The, and where's that
0: uh, come from?
1: We put the uh, only physical goods and monetary uh, power will satisfy you, and those things. You know, the Bible says money makes everything easier. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. We were talking about that earlier in terms of the, the wisdom comes in knowing the difference. And that difference is within yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's where you decide that, you know, I, I bought this really nice hammer, right? That's a great tool. I tell you, when I hammer, i be hammering with that <laughs> hammer, right? Um, and money's the same way you know when uh, when i need money for a particular accomplishment that i'm trying to accomplish um, you know and it's the right tool man that's a good tool right but i don't sleep with that hammer yeah and it goes back in its place when i'm done with it did buy a nice tool bag for it but (laughs) you know i want to give it the respect that it deserves but i don't i don't want the hammer owning me and i don't want the money owning me yeah i think that's a i think that's terrible business uh uh, and it's to me it's a path to unhappiness and a a path to uh, a loneliness and that you know I I I hope to not experience.
0: I see people seeking you know like the driving force for like the, the pursuit of the physical and the money and these things and I, I look at people like that and I go, that's trauma. That's that's it. somewhere in your system you are seeking safety in your physical world because something made you feel unsafe whatever that is how, wherever you root that back maybe you're not even ready to perceive that that's the uh,
1: thing you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs yep. I mean safety clearly is one of the things it's one of the basic levels uh, you know that that people need but there's also self-actualization at the top Mm -hmm. and somebody may be pursuing that as self-actualization i
0: think the difference what we were talking about with money with the you know yes it makes everything easier but like it's the root of all evil like how do you ride that wave how do you ride that is that you look at your trauma with, it, with your bond to whatever, and if you can sit back and you can go like, ah, I'm chasing this thing because deep down, I feel unsafe, and I address my safety issues, and I continually to be aware that that's a possibility, that that's there, and I address it, and I work with that, that and I start moving through that, it, I have an internal shift then that allows me to pursue money as Definitely. a actualization.
1: Yeah, I I would say that I probably at some level, uh, uh, you know, pursue success, uh, financial success. Uh, I pursue that as a result of uh, a lack of safety or security when I was younger. I mean, uh, you know, uh, We had a very uh, modest childhood in terms of food, clothing, housing, transportation, <laughs> yeah. th- things like that, you know. Um, I mean, there was a lot of love in the family, which, you know, helped offset that. Um, but I would say that, you know, some of that, uh, why, um, you know, that I've, I've really always tried to push myself even doing jobs that I absolutely couldn't stand Um, but it was you know I felt it was important to do whatever I could to put a nicer roof over your head to make sure your bellies were full Uh, one of your things your mom said to me uh, and I teased her about it for years because it was before we got married that we had the joke uh, that Happiness for her was a full freezer and a white picket fence. And if you remember That's when sweet. we lived in Cuyahoga Falls, yeah. <laughs> I gave her the full freezer first, and then I gave her the white picket fence around the house on, in Cuyahoga Falls, which was, you know, so of course I had to tease her about it <laughs> as much as I could.
0: It's so, It's so beautiful, really, when you look at it through that lens of like, deep down we're all just healing and that was the thing like you could show up in a way for mom like you both were coming at this particular you talked about your childhoods before being different yes but there was a seeking that you both had and a way to to try to figure out how to show up for the other one in order to yeah yeah to move forward and i do think that you know that there's we carry these generational wounds um the field of epigenetics is the kind of the medical scientific area that that has located and found where if you suffered from poverty in your youth or you can find the genetic link to your parents in your DNA, like in your physiology. And you can route that, that back. You said they
1: were going to be poor people? Well, that
0: <laughs> that experienced the trauma of what being poor did in their life or people that go through wars or people that are displaced, you know, immigrants, um, that we're all carrying the imprints of our forefathers, essentially.
1: But I I think that's interesting. I I, I wonder why is it important? I mean, other than just to kind of... uh, Because
0: you can unwind it.
1: Well, uh, what does that mean, to unwind? Unwind, uh, does that mean to be able to understand it better and see what the impact was on... How you became a future human, or uh, is it important so that you can, you know, get government subsistence and maybe some reparations or something to that no, effect? No, uh,
0: I don't think any of that. I, <laughs> I mean, think, I um, mean well, what's the? I think as part of that.
1: Um, I mean, everybody's got a story.
0: That I think it's part of that, like. Shifting our relationship to other things. I think it's part of, like, he, like we talked about healing safety and changing your ability to, like, access money. If you are carrying a program from, you know, a grandparent two generations ago that says all I'll ever know is poverty, at some point you have to address that you carry that belief somewhere in your programming and be able to go, ah, okay, I'm going to shine a light on this. Well,
1: true, true, but typically... Typically, by the time you figure out that that's important, you've already missed the earlier bus that said you better get on track. <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> why I'm trying to do it now.
1: Well, I mean, at 39, <laughs> it's easier to retrospect and say, yes, I'm fixing myself. Uh, I've been sitting on the couch for 39 years well, and, don't and don't haven't think... done anything, but now I'm ready. <laughs>
0: well, I don't think the past generations, like, I don't think your generation like knew that. Like knew that that was like even a thing. It was just like, oh, my parents like, yeah, they deal with this stuff, and like, I'm gonna go break this cycle. This is kind of the new version of breaking the next cycle.
1: Well, I made a conscious decision when we, your mom and I, got married and we started having puppies. You being the first of the puppies, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made a decision that I was going to do a little different kind of parenting. You know. Uh, the uh, the knuckle sandwich and the <laughs> razor strap, <laughs> you know, and I try not to let that into our world. Uh, you know, I made a decision. Yeah. You know, to do that, and I made a decision. Uh, I made a decision that I was going to get an education uh, beyond high school. Lord knows I did not learn much in high school, but my mom was, as I said earlier. The, the tenth of ten children, and I, after my younger brother passed, you know, I'm the youngest of her children, and out of all of my cousins, I'm the first one to graduate college. Now my brother, who's three and a half years older than me, he graduated a couple of years later. <laughs> you know, took us, a, took me a while, took him a little longer, but we were committed to, for whatever reason. And I credit my parents for it. Um, uh, they were un- uneducated. Got my mom was sixteen, I think, when she got married, pregnant. My dad was seventeen, you know, um, and he lied so he could join the service. Joined the uh, joined the Air Force, you know, and back in the forties. So he, you know, was he, they were a little less. Worried about it then? I guess I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't there yet, but
0: um, Man, I mean, that's so wild to think about.
1: Yeah, but but they always had a kind of drive. I mean, that's probably why I, I jokingly call my dad a nomadic machinist. But he never had any formal training. He always had. Uh, was able to get a job once he landed in the ability to be a machinist, became a tool and die maker. My mom worked in a dry cleaner for a while, then they opened a dry cleaners of their very own. Of course, it didn't last that long because, you know, their personalities, they were in very uncharted waters, both of them, and Made the classic mistakes of people that had no freaking clue about business and didn't have any education. So it didn't last, but it instilled a kind of motivation in us kids to not blindly, because we had seen how that worked, (laughs) but to, 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 you know, to go after, you know, Gave us that spirit of go after, and so I didn't know that we had a lot of introspection of the familial history that went back generations that said poverty's okay. You know, I don't. Yeah, I
0: don't think you. I don't think, I don't think those generations were supposed to have that awareness. It was like, how would you? You're living it. You're writing the story.
1: And you don't have social media to tell you that you're screwed up.
0: Well, and it's just <laughs> now. I mean, literally, the epigenetics was discovered, like, as a as a, a field was discovered I mean, not 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't have been applicable. It wouldn't be, not, it would have been applicable, but it wouldn't have been. All the
1: things are the same. The labeling is the only thing that's different. <laughs>
0: I don't know. There's new stuff coming out. Quantum physics and different, you know, different areas. Quantum
1: physics, like everything else, is a packaging of stuff that we understand where we didn't understand. And the fact that we didn't understand doesn't mean it wasn't there. Yeah. It's very pious to think that we're discovering new stuff. Yes. It's not new stuff. It's the same stuff. All that stuff is around (laughs) everywhere.
0: That's always kind of my argument with, like, when people, the whole thing got popular with COVID of, like, the, uh, you know, trust the science. I'm like, well, yeah, but this is, like, third-dimensional science. Like, this is pretty base science. Like, are we talking, like, like fifth-dimensional science, seventh-dimensional science? Like, because... Cause as you kind of go up in your expansion of consciousness, like those things are more recognized and they're there, like they, they just like what you said, they they they're existing. They're already there. Your ability the to perceive The fact that you're a little it,
1: dim on the fa- on the <laughs> yeah, topic about- doesn't necessarily mean that didn't exist yeah, it's yeah yeah this is
0: kind of on you <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah yeah there's this concept in law that says ignorance is no excuse yeah. i would say the same thing in science yeah. ignorance is no excuse uh, that's kind of that's yeah. why i like
0: quantum physics so much i'm like you guys are you guys are you're getting it you're you're wrapping your yourselves around and kind of bringing it into more of the the mainstream where like kind of Uh, just old you know biology this that i don't know but we have been talking for a little over an hour um anything you'd like to uh to end on
1: i just want to say that i love you very much and happy 39th birthday (laughs) i think that you look happy
0: 68th birthday
1: well you look better at 39 (laughs) than i do at 68 but i'll take that happy birthday (laughs) Uh,
0: i really enjoyed uh doing this i like having these kinds of conversations and you're one of my favorite people to have these kind of conversations (laughs) with that's
1: because we have that familial thing that says it's not weird. <laughs> now, you go to other families and listen to their talks and you go, Wow, that's really weird. <laughs> but when they're talking, they this isn't weird. <laughs> right? So we have that going for we us. We do. I, I, we do. Yeah. I'm I, a,
0: I'm good with it. The uh, weirder okay, the better. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: Well, um
0: We'll have to do this again. Well maybe we'll uh yeah, periodically we'll have a podcast with pops episode
1: (laughs) podcast with pops
0: (laughs) my little alliteration there for you yeah
1: oh you know uh it it, it's been it's been fun exploring some of my thoughts on some of our thoughts um you know I, i i i did enjoy it
0: yeah yeah it's kind of a unique space to just sit and go like oh we're gonna have like an intentional conversation like see where that goes
1: well, you don't have to summarize where it went, but <laughs> I don't think we solved anything
0: you know I don't even I don't even necessarily care if, if we do. I think it's important just to be willing to kind of look at your own thinking, your own processes, and question like like where did that come from or why do I have that belief or... so
1: Now, what did you say that you would call this?
0: Uh, Earlier, uh, something um, with Pops. Podcast with Pops.
1: (laughs) How about pontifications with Pops? (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's perfect. Okay.
0: On that note, thank you very much.
1: My pleasure.